Welcome to Mom's Special 2, a podcast that celebrates the special needs mother. My name is Annika and I will be your host on the show. If you haven't done so yet, please follow us on Instagram or visit our own webpage at momspecial2.com. Thank you for being here with me today. Welcome to episode 11. Today I interview Dr. Kristen Maloney, naturopathic physician and homeopath. Dr. Maloney covers the use of homeopathy for women's health, including hormone and mood regulation, as well as tips on boosting the immune system and staying healthy. Be sure to have a pen and paper handy so you can take notes. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Mom Special 2 podcast. Today I have Dr. Kristen Maloney on the show. Kristen is a licensed naturopathic physician and homeopath. She received her bachelor's degree in anthropology from Ithaca College in 2000. In 2009, Kristen graduated from Bastyr in the natural health arts and sciences. She then moved to Athens with her Greek husband. And over the past 10 years, Kristen has set up a private practice focusing on women's and children's health care. She uses a combination of nutrition, homeopathy, herbal, and ortho, orthomolecular medicine. She is able to create an individualized treatment plan for both acute and chronic conditions. Welcome to the show, Kristen. Thank you. Great to be here. Oh, happy that you're here. For all of you listening, this is a a very special person we have on the show today. Kristen and I have been friends for over 10 years. We lived in Athens together and my daughter, you know, Electra had her first sleepover at her house. <laughs> Kristen and I have been on, you know, this health journey. We've both, I've been studying Chinese medicine and Kristen has all this knowledge from her, you know, she's a doctor. So we just had so many things to share and to learn and to grow together. And I'm really happy to, to interview today so the women can get to know you. Yeah, I'm happy to be here too. I think it's an amazing project that you're doing and so, so needed, you know, just to connect with other mothers and to share uh, what you've learned along the way and what other mothers are learning and, and create a community. I think it's beautiful. Yeah, women are pretty powerful creatures. I think if we can stick together we can like there are no limits for us and these women are really yeah you know we've been through a lot of amazing things and there's also been difficult things on the path in the special needs path as well so mm. you know being together through all of it just makes it it just makes it fun actually so mm. okay so before we get started let's go ahead and have our women get to know you a little better. Can you share a bit about your background, where you're from, kind of anything yeah. that you want to share about yourself? So yeah, I grew up in Massachusetts on the East Coast um, in a small town. And my family was very um, conventional in the sense that my mom uh, was a nurse in the operating room for uh, about 20 years. Now she works for a big pharmaceutical company. So we're kind of polar opposites in that way. Uh, and all of my aunts are nurses. So I grew up, you know, with, you know, taking a lot of antibiotics and, 
you know, when I, eating a lot of junk food and kind of a very mainstream type of family in Massachusetts. And um, somehow I ended up in upstate New York for my undergrad and that really opened up my world quite a bit. And um, it was while I was studying anthropology, I had a, an amazing professor. Uh, it was a medical anthropology class and she just really inspired me to really open up my world and showed me how other cultures were using medicine, traditional medicines. Um, and I, it really like, it really never dawned on me that there was anything else besides, you know, pharmaceuticals when you got sick. And, um, and, you know, she also introduced me to healthy eating, which I was always eating really, really bad stuff. And um, especially in university. And during my, it was my last year of, of undergrad, we had to do a fieldwork study and I chose to go to, to India and it, that was just an incredible experience. And I got to study Ayurvedic medicine, you know, just touched, uh, touched it and I didn't deeply delve into it because it was just a, a study abroad program, but um, all of that just kind of, gave me um, insights into this whole nother world that I just really never knew anything about. And my professor, the medical anthropology professor, she, she really saw that I was really excited about all of this and that I, I was, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to know more. And what I knew I wasn't really going to be an anthropologist. I think I, I knew that at the end of my studies. And she told me about Bastyr. So she really planted the seed. And when I looked at it, I was like, you know, this isn't for me. It's all sciences. You know, I had to do all these prerequisites. And I just put it, uh, put it away in my mind. And um, I moved to Berkeley, California. And there I, I worked for a really cute little, sweet little family-run herb store. And I worked there for almost five years learned so much about plant medicine and um, I, I had just these incredible customers that would come in and if it was a slow day they would just talk and talk and talk and tell me about you know these old grandmas would come in and they would tell me their stories of how they used the plants and how they were helping their whole families and some of them were you know quite poor families maybe from Oakland um, in different areas that they were really, really relying on the herbs. You know, they weren't going to the doctor. And um, that was really powerful for me to hear their, their stories, you know, up close and not just read it in a book, but to like get to meet these people and, and hear their remedies and their recipes for what they were making. And um, I was really lucky to have that experience. And then so slowly, slowly when I was working in that herb store, I started, you know, thinking about, well maybe I want to take this more seriously and maybe I want to understand how the why does milk thistle support the liver and what does the liver do anyway and I started you know asking myself these questions that I wanted to know on a deeper level so yeah I eventually applied and I got accepted to Bastyr and um, that was you know really really challenging for me because I didn't come from a science background at all um, and I, I got to have so many uh, life-changing experiences there as well and working in different clinics that was part of my training. Um, one in particular was a homeopathy shift that 
was in a homeless women's clinic and um we we would it was only homeopathy pretty much that we were using and these women were coming in off the streets and we would take their case and give them remedies and things were shifting you know some eventually were getting off the streets um and that was a very powerful shift for me in particular um during my studies i also really really developed a love for homeopathy and i'll talk kind of more about what naturopathic medicine is because um, i'm sure a lot of the audience may not be familiar with it um but during my studies i really really just fell in love with homeopathy so i did an extra um two-year course with paul paul and amy herskew um, and they have the new england school of homeopathy on the east coast in massachusetts and um we yeah we we just really delved deep into the art of homeopathy and so that became um, one of my passions so that, that's a bit about my background and like you said in the bio um in the introduction i i, I moved to greece when i um, finished school and i've been here for almost 11 years now and we have two children my son is six and my daughter is four oh sorry my, that's not true <laughs> backwards my son is eight and my daughter is six oh my god <laughs> how did i get so big um yeah and so in raising two children in a foreign country you know obviously there's been a lot of challenges there but um it's been an incredible experience in terms of really get to, getting to apply the medicine getting to apply all all the stuff that i learned and i, I was pretty intimidated with pediatrics actually because mostly because of the mother's energy you know new mothers and their anxiety was pretty intimidating for me it was like oh that's too stressful you know like dealing with their stress and trying to help them seemed too but now now that my kids are eight and six and and I've had quite a lot of experience with new mothers. I feel I feel more confident working with them because um, it's all about for me. If I can be grounded, then I can help them stay grounded as well. Um, so I that's really now one of my passions is working with with families and 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 with children um, because I think that really getting off to a good start. Um, you know that's that's the foundation for health and the foundation for a healthy life the the earlier we can get people on on a good path you know i didn't i didn't start out on a good path you know it, it took me until i was in my early 20s really um and so and i talk about that with my own kids a lot too like why you know he's like why you grew up eating junk why don't we get to eat junk and you know i tell him why and you know if you ate junk every day, you wouldn't want it. You would feel it, you know, you wouldn't feel good. And, um, and he's starting to get it, you know, and he appreciates when he gets to have chocolate and snacks and ice cream. And it's, it's a treat, you know, cause it's not every day, all day. So, um, and then my other passion really is to work with moms kind of through that burnout period you know because i really i'm just sort of pulling out of it myself coming up feel like i'm coming up for water after years of not sleeping well and 
not taking care of myself and that's really finally I feel like I'm finally coming around to myself again and now I have the strength to support other moms and that feels really good um I, I think it's one of those things for me personally I don't think I wouldn't be able to do a really good job on that regard unless I had gone through it myself you know unless I know what it feels like to try to go through the day when you haven't slept more than an hour maybe and you know you feel like you're kind of really losing it and you you know you, you can't really understand that unless you've gone through it and my for me I wouldn't be able to um help somebody I think on a deep level so yeah that's mostly what I've been working on in the last couple of years now is working with families um and uh more more on the chronic level in terms of um I, I try to stay a little bit away from acutes right now and I, I work with people um to address more chronic ongoing issues and generally people who search for me who find their way to me are people who have gone to quite a lot of doctors that's generally naturopaths end up working with the more difficult cases that you know they might have been told that there is no cure or there's there's really nothing else besides pharmaceuticals to help your condition um so those are the people usually that seek me out um those people really looking for a more natural approach and that's where i can yeah i've heard a lot of homeopaths or the ones that i have seen in hong kong and here in the States, I have heard them say a lot of people, when they finally get to them, it's because they've tried everything else. And so why not just try this? You know, there's no, there are no side effects with homeopathy. And, you know, what, what is it at first, do no, what is, what is the saying to not, to do no harm? Yeah, that's one of our, our principles. Um, I mean, it, it, I think it's part of conventional medical school as well. Yeah, isn't that when you take... Are it you, is, but... Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, it's part of the Hippocratic Oath. So I, you said a lot of interesting things, which I want to cover in our interview today, and talking, you know, you, you, you specifically touched on burnout, which is something that I'd like to get back to. Before we go there, I want to just ask if you can clarify, what is the difference between a naturopathic doctor and a medical doctor? Yeah, so um, in terms of the education that we, so it's a between four to five year training um, medical school. And the first couple years, two to three years, depending on how long you spread out the program, if you do it in four years or five years, the first, the first couple of years are all the basic science. So it's completely the same as conventional medical school um, with anatomy, physiology, biochemistry, um, pathology, all of those uh, are the same. And, you know, we have to dissect a whole cadaver in the cadaver lab and do all the stuff, all the things. Um, and it's, it's very rigorous. And then going into the last, the final years, that's really when um, the treatments and the philosophy comes in. And that's completely different in terms of how we look at the body and how we um what our treatments are so we use um the principles let's say that we are guided by that is what our so our philosophy is based on and so i'll just kind of read what those are just so you can get kind of an understanding 
Um, so what, the first one is supporting the healing power of nature. So we, we believe that the body um, has an innate ability to heal itself. And this is what we call the vis. And this is similar to Chinese medicine, which they call qi. So it's that innate healing power that everybody has. Um, so that's essentially what we're trying to aim for when we're working with somebody is to stimulate their own healing power, their own beast, um, without suppressing it as much as we can. You know, there are times when we need to suppress, when we need to, um, somebody's in incredible pain, you know, and say like the herbs or the homeopathy that we're using is not working and you need a higher level of inter intervention. There are times obviously when we need to suppress um, for a, a short time. Uh, the next is identify and treat the cause. So we work to go beyond treating the symptoms of an illness to find the cause of the illness whenever possible. So really I, I see what I do as kind of detective work. You know, I think it's, it's such individualized medicine, which is the most beautiful thing I think about naturopathic medicine is that it's not cookie cutter. It's not, um, you know, it's not one size fits all. It's really, when somebody comes in, I really go deep and try to figure out why are they having these migraine headaches, you know? And for one person, it might be um, food sensitivities that are causing it. For another person, it might be lack of sleep or too much stress. Um, so, you know, each, each illness has different um, things that are triggering it. So, really we need to be detectives and figure out what it is that's the real cause. Um, the next one is like all physicians, we aim for the classic tenant, which is first do no harm, like you were talking about. So we use low risk and natural methods to treat patients using approaches that have few to no side effects. So we have another whole list of things that I won't go into now, but it's called a the therapeutic order. And that's basically what we refer to when we're working on a case and looking at using the least force necessary to get the person to heal. So, you know, whenever possible, we're starting out with diet, you know, getting the person on a good, healthy diet, clean diet. And then um, if we have to add in extra supplements, then we do. But, you know, always the aim is to start with the basics, start with um, good sleep, good hydration, good food, um, is, the, is the person moving their body, getting enough exercise. So all of these are the foundations and then working up the therapeutic order um, when there's things that need to be added in. You know, if, if somebody has high blood pressure, maybe we can get by with using herbs. There are some really powerful herbs that can work with high blood pressure. Not many people know about that. Um, and so, you know, the goal is, is always to get people off of the pharmaceuticals, but sometimes that's not possible, and sometimes that's not um, the best thing to do for that moment, you know. So, um, do you have you had that? Can you? Does that happen a lot? You think with thyroid? Because you hear yeah, all the time, I'm, if you're on thyroid medicine, you're going to be on thyroid medicine forever. And I, there's two trains of thought that you can actually come off your medicine, and that then there's the other thought that that might not be possible. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I think, I think, again, it's a case by case um, thing. I don't think it's, it's all people have to be on thyroid forever. Um, but some people, I mean, people who have had their thyroid removed, obviously, they do. Um, and, 
yeah, it's it's uh, it depends on how how severe the hypothyroidism is or or the other hyper, um, and how they're responding or not responding, you know, to glandulars or other supplements. Um, so it depends, but yeah, I, I guess the point is that I'm not saying that all pharmaceuticals are bad or unnecessary. You know, I, I do see that we are very grateful that we have them. And, um, but really my goal is to help people um, as much as possible to um, go back to simplify, you know, to um, see, you know, like people that are on cholesterol, medications like for me this is like we need to get people off cholesterol medication you know because this this is has so many side effects and it really can be solved so easily with diet um but it's work you know and i think a lot of the challenge that i face working with people is that our society has become so fast-paced and so quick fix yeah and so it's really it's sometimes really like pulling teeth with people to really get them on board and to to do the work you know to do the hard work because when you end up working with a naturopathic doctor it's a lot of work on the part of the patient because it's not we're not about giving easy fixes we're about helping to support the patient the client to be their best but that means like really cleaning up their life not just their their diet but like everything you know getting rid of stressful relationships toxic relationships um you know adding more self-care into their routine all of these things that contribute to why you may have ended up being on this medication you know so there's there's a lot of work that goes into it and some people just aren't really ready or, or aren't wanting to do the work or they can come up with one million excuses why they're not going to be able to do the work and, and you know then I end up losing those patients and and that's okay too because I don't see my role as I don't want to be the person that's hounding somebody I want I want to be the person that's um you know by by your side to to be your cheerleader, you know, cheering somebody on who's who's really motivated, because it takes work. But I think at the end, it's it's just it's it's the best. It's when you come out on the other side. Yeah, it's exciting. Um, it's exciting, yeah, and it's it like exciting. when 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 I can take people on that journey and they get to the other side, that's just you know so incredible to see them through that whole journey and that whole process and to you know come off medication to lose weight to have more energy to sleep better all of these things you know then they would never go back then they never want to go back it's, to, it's a sense of freedom too i think and you feel so tied down and chained to all these things that we have to take or or do and then when you you clean up things yeah you you just, I feel, I've, I always, I just felt more free. Like I had more choice and you just feel yeah. better in your body and right. yeah, it affects everything. Well, let's, let's move on then. If you can just explain to the ladies, what is homeopathy and also what is orthomolecular medicine? Orthomolecular is just kind of a fancy word for like sub working with supplements and um, nutritional supplements and vitamins and things. Yeah. Great. Okay. So th there's um, that. And then the homeopathy. 
Homeopathy was founded in the 1800s by Dr. Samuel Hahnemann. Um, and with homeopathy, we use tiny doses of natural substances. So it can be um, plant substances, it can be mineral, it can be animal, it can be pretty much anything you can make a homeopathic remedy out of. Um, and it's, we're using minute doses of the substance. So basically, if you take a substance and you dilute it and dilute it and dilute it hundreds and hundreds of times, when you put it under a microscope, there's actually nothing left of that substance. It's just the energetic imprint of, of the substance. So this is really hard for people to, to wrap their head around. It was the same for me. I couldn't really understand it for a while. Um, and so it's basically, it's working on the principle. What Hanuman found is that the more he diluted a substance, the more that it had a healing effect on this principle of like, it's called the principle is called law of similars, which means like cures like. And so people have observed that the substance which causes an illness or a symptom can in very small diluted doses actually cure that same problem by stimulating the, the vis, by stimulating the organism to heal itself. So for instance, um, let's say- it Makes me uh, think of coffee. Yes, actually, Insomnia. so coffee is coffee, yes. In the homeopathic preparation of coffee can be, can be used to treat insomnia. That's a great example. Um, We've used so, it. <laughs> nice. Um, so that's that's in a nutshell what homeopathy is. Um, you know, using these dilute um, energy. It's energy medicine, really, um, and that's why I love it because I feel that it it really. I don't worry about it in terms of having this. You know, it's not a pharmaceutical that you can overdose on. Um, I, I would say it is good to work with somebody knowledgeable, um, you know, in terms of, because it does get complicated in terms of when to take the remedy and how frequently and all of that. It, it does take some guidance. Um, it can save you a lot but, of time. Too. You know, I know that when you yeah. know, my daughter has a cough and I'm trying, you know, and I, I have some experience with homeopathy, but I'm trying to make it through all the remedies and you just get to a place where you feel like it's not working, you know, and if, and then I go and I see someone and they suggest something that I wouldn't have used first or second or third or fourth because they base it on her constitution or, you know, right. the whole picture, right? right? It's what you're trying to do. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah, and so that's another thing with homeopathy. It's, we can use it acutely, which is... Um, more, I don't know, not cookie cutter, I don't want to say, but it, it, it's more like, you know, anybody who's having a dry cough, blah, 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 could, you know, maybe benefit from Brionia if they're fitting the list of keynotes for Brionia, let's say. Um, so that's during acute prescriptions, but then for constitutional prescriptions, that's when we're really taking a deep case and taking all the details of um, everything, like everything about the, the person's emotional state, mental state, um, their dreams, even their, you know, their, their whole character, including the physical body as well. And so it's, it's typically, I'm trying to shorten my intakes, but sometimes it can be up to two hours, the, the initial intake, um, getting all the details and then, you know, matching the constitutional remedy 
Um, Chinese and that's, medicine that's really, is like that too. You know, you take a yeah. long time. You want to know about the patient's background and you want to get to know about their constitution because you can't, you can't right. move forward unless yeah, you do that. Right. So, yeah, I think, and for me, that's one of the reasons why I love homeopathy and I love to start with it. I don't only use homeopathy in my practice. I use other things as well, but I love to start the initial um, interview with that because it really just gives me such a comprehensive overview of the person and so many details. Um, and now I'm kind of branching out with homeopathy and, and you know, in school, we learned really the classical Hahnemann method. And that was, you know, take the whole case, um, come up with the constitutional remedy, give it, wait four to six weeks, evaluate. But it was, it was like a very slow um, method, let's say, like of, of uh, taking the case and moving very slowly and, and before changing remedies and whatnot. But now in the last couple of years, I've been studying and kind of opening up to different ways of using homeopathy and looking at Sankaran's method, which is an Indian homeopath. And um, he uses something called the sensation method. So he's really getting into like the feelings of the person. And this is really helpful, this method in terms of working with um, nonverbal uh, people as well, because so say we're taking the case through the mother um and the the child is nonverbal but the mother has such a strong connection to their child always and so even if the child's nonverbal the mother knows what the what the child wants to express you know so the mother is able to go in it's kind of a meditation that we do in the in the um case taking and the mother's able to come up with these sensations with you know feelings of the body um sensations of different sorts and really express that in place of, of the nonverbal child and that's a really beautiful thing and that, that really is not part of, of classical constitutional homeopathy it, it's much more um, it's much more outside of the box the Sankaran style and I'm really loving it and um, I'm, I'm able to see that actually changing remedies more quickly because it, we, when we give a prescription, it might be suitable for that time, but it, it's like a, the onion, like it might just peel away a, a layer and then something else evolves and presents itself. And then we treat that. And so it's not about waiting always four to six weeks. And perhaps if somebody out there is listening and is a big fan of constitutional homeopathy, it's not that I disagree with it. And if people are having great results, then that's all that matters, you know, in the end. But I'm just, I've just been opening up to um, these other more modern styles of homeopathy. And I, I just, I see so much results with it in terms of um clearing layers um that you know that i wasn't able to do so much with just classical homeopathy i guess is what i'm trying to say that's exciting uh, how ex that reminds yeah. me of recovery too how you peel layers of the onion you, you get to know parts of yourself as you open up to who you are and i want to say heal but maybe transform you know, and evolve into this person that you are inside, you know, that you've always been and all, it's just cluttered by all this outside external stuff. Mm, and right. I think we, we might have a lot of women on the, the call right now that are 
that have nonverbal children. So it's really interesting to hear that there is something additional that they might have not tried that they can, that they can use. So it's nice that they mm. can, they're hearing about this today. So thanks mm. for sharing about that. Can, yeah. can you, can you branch off too into, you know, there's women on the line more into female issues such as, you know, hormones or mood or things that women typically experience on their journeys and, Maybe some, are there some remedies that you've used that you think are more general that anyone could use? How you were saying some are more of a a blanket solution and others are more individualized. Are there things that the women listening could maybe just a few things that they could get to, to use for themselves? Yeah, of course. So for hormonal balancing, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, that would be great if we could touch on that. I think all of us have a little bit of that going on. (laughs) Mm. <laughs> yeah, so um, I could share maybe a couple of remedies and just to kind of get a, a sense of how homeopathy can work on that level. And then I can share some more general um, that would be great. tools. Yeah. Okay. So um, I can give you guys just some, a little taste of what homeopathy looks like in terms of um, creating like a picture. So let's say, uh, for example, the remedy sepia is a wonderful remedy for, it's used often with nausea and pregnancy, but it's um, on a more constitutional level, it's it's representing this stasis, we say. Stasis is like a stagnation, what they would call stagnation in Chinese medicine. So it's kind of this lack of motivation or depression. Um, There's the sluggishness in the body. Also, um, maybe sagging tissues, like sagging breast tissue or uterus um, distension. Uh, It's a very classic remedy for the mother who is like, you know, has kids tugging at her. She's cooking. She's just like irritable. Like she's just had it. She's like, yeah, burned out irritable, snappy with the kids, um, generally has really uh, not always painful periods, but it can be, there can be a bit of um, dysmenorrhea from that stagnation. So painful periods due to the the lack of movement and the lack of, um, so the flow is unable to be as as steady so that it can be a lot of clotting. there's a keynote with sepia that it feels like during the period that it feels like there's like a weight attached to the uterus and it's pulling down. Um, also there's low libido. Um, what else? Yeah. It, so it's, it's a big hormonal remedy. You can hear a lot of the, the classic hormonal stuff going on. It's generally not a male remedy. It's, it's pretty much primarily a female remedy. Um, so that's one, and uh, I use it a lot, and and I've used it personally a lot. It's been really helpful for me. Another remedy is Ignatia, and this is also this is for a woman that's sensitive and easily disappointed. So their feelings can be hurt easily, but they they don't necessarily express their emotions. They more bottle them up, and that can lead them to become more hardened and bitter. So they kind of become, um, let's say, like cramped up inside. And this leads to more like, they can be very defensive and very um, kind of rude, almost rude and just kind of snappy. But it's in a different way than sepia. Sepia is more burned out and it's more like the mom, like 
with kids, you know, all the time. <clears throat> but Ignatia could be easily for a woman um, that's just a, a, like more closed with her emotions and more, um, yeah, more defensive and, and curt, let's say. Often this is a very big remedy for grief. This, this remedy state, like you can move into the state really easily after a big grief. So that could be any type of grief, either from losing somebody or a big breakup from a relationship. Um, and I've seen women who were in this state due to like a big grief for years and years and years and years. And with this remedy, you know, just being able to soften you know everything just soften and not have to be so closed and and kind of unemotional they can also go into more they're they're really um swing back between being really closed off and then being hysterical you know like they don't they don't want to cry in front of you but then once the gates open like they can't stop so it's, it's like very extreme so with this remedy um when somebody takes this remedy they can just find more of a balance between those emotions and um, and then the third one, just to kind of paint a picture of another type of hormonal remedy would be pulsatilla. And this is a very big women's remedy. Um, and it's quite opposite of sepia and Ignatia. The, the women needing pulsatilla are generally really sweet and soft and really big hearts. And often you feel like they're almost, um, childlike like a lot of curiosity a lot of just the sweetness and um um it can because of the sweetness it can be sometimes easily influenced or dominated um changeability is a real classic sign of pulsatilla um so very wishy-washy or not able to make sometimes concrete decisions or easily swayed by others opinion a uh, strong desire for consolation and reassurance. They, they weep easily, so they're not like, they're opposite of Ignatia, they're not trying to hold it in. They're, they're very comfortable with their emotions and they, they can cry very easily. They can also feel forsaken. So like, if you imagine a child, um, you know, that is always asking the parents, do you love me? And they need that reassurance. That's a very kind of classical pulsatilla. Um, there can also be a lot of PMS symptoms and painful periods as well and endometriosis. So all three of those uh, remedies, this is kind of like a little snapshot of how um, I, I wouldn't just take the case and necessarily just prescribe on the hormonal stuff. It would really have to fit a lot of the other um, parts of the remedy as well. But um, just to show you how each remedy is quite different, just like each woman is you know quite different and everybody who has hormonal issues is not gonna all need you know pulsatilla they could be very you know much more like a sepia or ignatia or others because there's actually hundreds of remedies that could can i that, interject but... here too can yeah yeah you, so if yeah. women are listening and they they say oh that's me oh yeah 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 and then you get to a few of the the characteristics and they think no oh no 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 you know what how do you how do you mitigate that uh well again that's why i don't really recommend to self-prescribe i mean self-prescribing is fine once 
you you know worked with homeopathy for quite some time and and you've worked with a homeopath and you kind of get it you know you've read enough books on it you you you've been on enough remedies yourself to know when like i have patients who have been on remedies for a long time and they know when they need to redose the remedy um so I would say anybody who's just starting out, it's I don't recommend just taking a remedy off of a whim. So those little snapshots that I gave were more just to show you kind of how remedies remedy states are quite different. But um, we have quite a few that are used for hormonal balancing. But people, like, um, but, like if they're listening, they don't need to they don't need to qualify for all of those characteristics. It can be for just a few, correct? Like they can have yeah, a few like I mean, defining characteristics of one of them, not all of them. Right. Um, and the thing though with homeopathy is that um, if it, what, what Hahnemann called um, the similimum, similimum is what we say is like the right, the exact remedy at the exact potency at the exact time. So that's what the, the goal of the homeopath is always to find the similimum. Um, so if, if somebody's listening, they say, oh, pulsatilla sounds interesting like that. I've always been like that. You know, I weep really easily. Like I'm really sensitive. I'm, I need reassurance. I have hormonal issues like PMS and painful um, periods and whatnot. They, you can take pulsatilla and um if it's if it's a good remedy there's gonna you're gonna see some reaction to it if it's not there's gonna be no reaction so in a way yeah it's not like you have a lot to lose but the thing about working with um, a trained homeopath is that um, there might be so many other remedies that might fit even more based on the whole picture because someone might have um, some of these hormonal imbalances, but they might have other chief complaints that are even more uh, urgent to be healed. You know what I mean? So taking the whole case and really seeing all of it and then getting a remedy that really fits the majority of the symptoms, that, that I would say would be the best thing to do. Um, but yeah, it's not necessarily a, a bad thing to say, oh, pulsatilla sounds interesting. I should try and you know, see, just see if something happens. Um, does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, yeah, no, no, it does. Thank you for that. Okay. I also wanted to cover a bit of immune system and just like any other tips, you know, and staying healthy. So before we get to those things, is there anything else that you wanted to? Um, yeah, with the hormonal balance. Yeah, I'll just rattle off a few. I won't go into the detail. Um, so one thing, and, and people can Google it, but one really simple um, food-based thing that is a wonderful thing for uh, hormonal balancing is seed cycling. So this involves using um, different seeds in the first half of the cycle. So in the, the menstrual cycle, um, days one to 14 are known as the follicular phase. And during that phase, you can use seeds like pumpkin seeds and flax seed, ground flax seed during that time. And then during the luteal phase, days 14 to 28, using um, the sesame seeds and sunflower seeds to support that phase of the cycle. It's a weird thing in terms of how that all works to help horm hormonal balance, but it does pretty magically. And it's easy to do, and it's food-based, so that's wonderful. 
Thanks for being here with us today. Please tune in next week as I interview Karen Ferrari, mother to three young children, including her seven-year-old daughter, Ariana, who has Down syndrome. In this episode, Karen takes us on her journey from diagnosis to current day life, sharing both the concerns and blessings she has experienced along the way. Karen also offers tips on how to stay organized, raise productivity, and simplify meal planning. Hope you'll join us. Bye-bye.